the really cool thing that I love about God is when we seek Him, He comes through. If we truly, truly seek Him and ask Him for His Word. Um, right after this week when I was sharing with Lori, my wife, we were kind of talking and we looked at our devotions. We do devotions in the morning and share what God is doing in our heart. And uh, maybe uh, let's click to the, nether, the next picture. This was, uh, I was driving out to uh, on Viewpoint, and some of you may saw that rainbow the other day. I was driving down Viewpoint, and I just saw part of it, and it was just brilliant. The colors were just like, I'm just like, God, you're amazing how you made that. As I got to my house, this is my house out there that I'm renting, it, I saw the full rainbow, the full double rainbow, and it was pretty cool. And then the next day in my devotions, um, this is what my devotion said. It said, seek my face. My world is filled with the beauty, beautiful things. They are meant to be pointers to me. Remember of my abiding presence. The earth still declares to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. You had a darkened mind before you sought me wholeheartedly. I chose to pour out my light into you, and you can be a beacon to others. That's what the message is today, is, is you are the light to the world. You are the salt, and then we're supposed to be that beacon. I just thought it was pretty cool, and I wanted to share it with you. And if you're taking any notes, also the... the um, uh, devotion I had, Psalms 19. Just read it. it. It's the same thing. So today our passage is going to be from Luke uh, 11, 27 through 36, and we'll just kind of break it down. Started off as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. The things that they were referring to, it says, as Jesus was saying these things, it was basically he was having a discussion with the Pharisees about a demonic spirit that he had released. And he says they were basically saying that you've got to be a demon. You've got to be some sort of person that can release these. And he says, how can Satan release Satan? And he was arguing with them. And then they also said, well, give us a sign. And that, that's where this comes from, is that these things that he was talking about. And he says, now regarding the woman... He says, basically, she blurted it out. Sometimes you guys hear Katrina back here. It may have been a Pentecostal blurt. I don't know what she was yelling. He says, but basically, she shouted out that blessed is, your, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. I know back in that time that the family was really, really important. And if you had a son, it was even more important. So that's possibly where it came from. But what is more important is what Jesus said afterwards. And Jesus' response was, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Another scripture that I wanted to use was Luke eight nineteen through 21. Now Jesus' mother and brother came to see him, but they were not able to see him because the crowd was too large. Someone told him, Your mother and your brother are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My brother and my mother are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Again, Jesus' point is those who hear my words and put it into practice. Many of us hear a preaching or a teaching or something like that, and we don't necessarily obey it all the way. And I know for myself over the last few years, God has really been sharing with me how to obey his word in tough times and uh, easy times and, and 
even at the camp life that I'm at, um, in the United States, a lot of people profess to be Christians. And I know it's about 72% that Americans say they're Christians, but do they live it? Many politicians will use this during their campaign, that they say they're, they're Christian, and I stand on the Christian values and all that. But afterwards, do they hold true with obe obeying that? Um, we call these nominal Christians, meaning by name only. Sometimes when you buy an outfit or you get a jersey from a football team or whatever, you're not really the football player. You're not really that person. You just want to be like that person. So you really are a fan, not the player or the person. And that, to me, is what a lot of times Christians do, is that we are a fan and not a follower. There's a book a friend shared with me that, that very words, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Is God part, are you part of God's story or is God a part of your story? And I know he's invited us into his story and we need to be fully engaged in that. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this wicked generation, this is a wicked generation. It's asked for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was given, was assigned to the Ninevites, so also was the Son of Man to this generation. I love the personality of Jesus Christ. I've been doing some studying, and I have a book here that uh, we're going through on a Thursday night group called Beautiful Outlaw. It's by John Eldridge. And this kind of transformed a lot of our men's thought process of who the personality of Jesus Christ was. His laughter, his fierceness, his love, all of that. So I, I only bring this because if you want to, to get a fun read, this is a, an incredible book on the personality of Jesus Christ. But it says in this, in this passage, the crowd was increasing. He didn't care about numbers, evidently, because he was sitting and talking to them saying, you are a wicked generation, pointing at this crowd. You want a sign, but no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. I just love the personality of Jesus Christ. Another example of that is right after this, it will be in your message next week, is Jesus was invited to a house of the Pharisees. And he comes in, and there's a wash bowl. You're supposed to be washing your hands as you come by. Jesus walks right by the bowl and sits down. And of course the Pharisees notice. And they look at him like he didn't wash his hands. you know. And so Jesus looked at him and said, you guys worry about the outside of your dish or your cup. I look at the inside. And inside of you is dirty. And it's messy. Again, he didn't care if he was invited back to that home. Right? Um, we'll take another one here. Um, Luke 13. I'm going to read the scripture here. Indignant Jesus was, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, after... It says, there are six days to work. Come and be healed on those days. Do not come on the Sabbath. He was basically telling them, you guys are wrong on healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus just, I mean, went right after him and said, you hypocrites. Doesn't, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead it to get water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free on the Sabbath day from her bound? 
when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted. So he already is dividing this up and humiliating some of his people. So back to the message. We know the story of Jonah. And Jonah basically was told to go to the Ninevites because they're going to repent. And Jesus, again, is about to save and seek the lost. Now, Jonah didn't want to do it. He basically turned and went the other way. And then, as we all know, a great fish came and swallowed him. And three days later, he got spit out on the shore. The same thing as Jesus was crucified, was buried, and rose again is the same kind of concept of the three days. But Jonah, as he got spit up on the shore, does go and do what God's asked him to do because the, the harvest is ripe. He said, go to the king and go to the people. And they all repented and were saved. Jesus did come to seek and save the lost. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Of course, Jesus is referring to himself here. And I find it interesting. I didn't know anything about this queen, and it's interesting that it's in the scriptures, and it says she came from the ends of the earth. Does anybody know, I mean, where would the ends of the earth be in this situation? Well, they kind of calculated that, that it was about a thousand miles, that she was so intrigued with Solomon's wisdom, she traveled a thousand miles on camel. And if you guys know, I mean, it's 3,000 miles to cross the United States. How long would that take to go a thousand miles by camel. But she was so uh, enthralled that Solomon had all this wisdom that she traveled that far. How far are we willing to travel to take the time to get to know Jesus? Would you travel a thousand miles? Would you go that bit for him? With all the information that we have at our fingertips, like the book I shared with you and videotapes nowadays and, and our smartphones, we have so much information to learn about Jesus. Dead Sea Scrolls. How many know about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Some of you? The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1946 by a shepherd who was tending his sheep and threw a rock to get one of the sheep down from the, the ledge. And he heard a clunk. And there was, he basically, he didn't hear that, that clunk before. So he went up there and it was a pot. He went in there and there was a bunch of pots. And as they opened the pots, it was all these scrolls from from before Christ was born. They were preserved incredibly. And this is 1946. After they discovered this for the next 10 years and went through them, they found out that there was over 800 manuscripts. They found the whole entire Bible in fragments except the book of Esther. And it was so preserved. We have information that God is revealing to us every day and that we should be uh, privileged and knowing what Jesus Christ is doing in our lives today and all the information. Uh, this one takes another turn and it says, no one, no, no one lights a lamp and puts it in place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it in a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when you are unhealthy, your body is also 
as full as full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if the whole body is full of light no, and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. Who is the lamp? Jesus. Jesus is the lamp. The eye represents the spiritual understanding and insight. So if our eyes are distracted, if our eyes are off of what, what Jesus is asking us to do, it dims it. We get darkened. We stray from what God is asking us to do. So to me, on a daily basis, if I don't start my day with a daily devotion, if I don't seek Him on a day, I'm going to stray. Um, one of my pastors in California when I was there set his watch to ding every 10 minutes because he wanted to see how far he strayed from God in 10 minutes. And I know it's easily we can do that. And he'll be sitting there, he was telling a story, he was driving down the road and some guy cut him off and he was just ready to whatever. And he goes, beep, beep. And he's like, oh, man. It's amazing how quickly we can stray from, from, the, from the light and from Jesus. How can we do this? Is by getting into the Word. We also have the Holy Spirit who, who lives within us. We can ask on a daily basis, would you please come into this day and reveal to me what is going on for me today? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. What are some of the ways that we hide our lights? Being quiet when we could be speaking up. Going along with the crowd. Being complacent. Embarrassed. Stubbornness of a heart, letting sin dim our lights. We can be saying, I'm not smart enough. I used to say that all the time. And I'm up here today, and I, I don't have the degree Scott has or whatever. I just want to share what God has put on my heart. I'm not smart enough or educated enough in the Bible. Not explaining our lights to others. Ignoring the needs of others. Or being just too busy. In Mark 4.21, he said to them, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl or in a bed? Instead, don't you put the light on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears, let them hear. And I, and I find, like I said, the scriptures that I had in my devotion, that same phrase came in again. For those who have ears, let them hear. In Matthew 5, 13, 16, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on the, the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father. Are you the salt of the earth? If you had salt, and that salt did not flavor, I know I love to put salt on hard-boiled eggs, and if it did no value, would I ever use it again? If it didn't do what I asked it to do, and the elements that are in salt that gives it its salty flavor, I'd probably just discard it. There are elements and properties in salt that make it salty. And if those elements are taken away, it loses its flavor. 
I like to believe that those elements are the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. I really feel if we don't look at the fruit of the Spirit and if we're not sharing those elements, I need, think we need to take a look and say, is our light shining? And I think it's so important that we have those things because a world looks to us and we're reflecting Jesus Christ. And he looks to, they look to us and said, do I want to be like that person or do I not want to be like that person? Is there a draw? At our camp, we have non-Christians there as well working. And if I'm not a light in front of them, if I just blend in and I'm just somebody else, then I'm no different than who in the world. One of the um, uh, authors and speakers that I really enjoy is Francis Chan. Francis Chan shares, are you going all the way for Christ? If you don't have the flavor to go all the way with Christ, he says he doesn't have use for you. Are you committed? Like the church in Laodicea in Revelations, where Christ said, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I want to be on fire for Christ. And I want to share whatever I have to offer, even if it's fumbling, even if it's... I, that's what I want to do. And that's who I've tried to become. Am I perfect in that? Absolutely not. I'm growing on a day-to-day basis. I fail on a day-to-day basis. But at the same time, Jesus says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commands. The commands are not just necessarily orders or things to do. Basically, it is stuff that says, I will be there for you. Trust me. If you trust him, you're obeying. If you said I will come through, then I'm going to obey that, and I'm going to believe that you're going to come through. It's not just commands. It's saying, I will take care of you. Then I need to trust in that, that he's going to take care of me. If I don't, then I'm pulling back obedience. That obedience is to basically say, I trust you in every area of my life. He's asking us to be committed. That's one thing I love about what Scott's church is doing, is that we are the church outside the four walls. When you guys are in your missional communities and going out, you have to touch a person's life with the true salt that you have. So going back, and it says, if you hear my word, that's one thing. And that's making Christian. Obeying it is walking in it and being the salt to those people that need to hear it. Am I a doer of your word? Or do I just hear it and don't obey it? How is my light shining to others? Am I just fitting in? Am I that pile of salt that just fits in with the crowd? Or do I stand up for what he has asked me to stand up for? Um, Over this past year, I had to do that. And it was probably one of the toughest, toughest things I had to do. Was to stand up for what God has asked us to do and just say, that's wrong. I could just go on. I could have not done anything. But I said, this is wrong, and this is why it's wrong. I used the word. I didn't use why I felt it was wrong. Because Jesus says, I said it better. Here's my commands. Follow those commands. 
And am I a reflection of Christ? When people see me, do they see a person that stands up for what Jesus taught? And do I love? Do I care? Do I give? All the fruit of the Spirit? Do I do that? Take some time and just ask God about that.